G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When I was a young Christian in my teens, I worked at an office alongside a man who had been witnessed to by Mormons. He invited them to his home to do a presentation of what the Mormons believe. He knew I was a Christian and he invited me along too. I remember going to that place in fear and trembling because as a new Christian, I was barely established in my newfound faith. I certainly didn't know my way around the Bible. As I drove to my friend's house, I prayed that God would help me in that situation to stand firm in the faith. After their presentation, in which they shared how the angel Moroni appeared to Joseph Smith, revealing to him the whereabouts of the golden plates, which were the basis for the translation of the Book of Mormon, my friend asked me if I had anything to say. Now just prior to this, I thumbed through the New Testament epistles and came across Paul's statement to the Galatians, which said, Even if we or an angel from heaven come to you and preach any other gospel, let him be a curse. Now what happened to me on that occasion was that in the face of false teaching, God in his faithfulness came to my aid through the two agents of truth, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. Thanks for joining us. It's Phil here along with author and pastor Ken Legg. And this week we're looking at false teaching. It's an interesting exercise to trace where and how some false teachings have made their way into the church. And of course, some heresies are just the result of wrong interpretation of Scripture. But then there are others, like the example Ken's mentioned just now, based upon supposed angelic visitations, people going into trances or receiving extra-biblical revelation. So some false teaching actually has their roots in historical events which were supposed to have taken place. Hello, Ken. Is that a fair uh, summary? Yes, it is. Uh, In fact, we're looking this week at what Peter had to say about the false prophets in his day. And uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16, he was distancing himself and the church from this kind of thing that we're talking about. In fact, he says, we did not follow cunningly devised fables, and that word fables means myths or stories, fictitious teachings, if you like. Now, the church, of course, has constantly had to stand against imposters, counterfeit gospels, spurious writings, and, of course, today is no different. Now, Phil, I was watching a program uh, some time ago, and I won't mention the name of the program on the TV, but uh, it's the kind of program that's supposed to be about religion, but it, it sort of decimates your faith, I think. Yeah. It would be the best way. It doesn't build up those, faith. Yeah. It leaves you more confused than than grounded in the faith. And uh, this program, anyway, was talking about the Gnostic Gospels. You probably heard about those. Now, the Gnostics believe that the Supreme God did not create the world, but rather a lesser subordinate God created it, and he created it imperfectly. Now, in their view, the material world is an evil uh, thing, and therefore we need to be free from it. And so um, basically anything to do with this world or the body is regarded as evil. So they don't believe, for example, in a bodily resurrection. Why would God raise another evil body again, you know, something that's material? And according to the Gnostic Gospels, Jesus was not, therefore, raised bodily. 
and neither will we be. That's one of the things that they say. And so salvation under Gnosticism doesn't require the forgiveness of sins because whatever happens in the material realm is non-essential or, or, or non-consequential anyway. Um, but rather what's important is that we get this secret gnosis, this knowledge that you get levels of it, you get closer to God. And, and that's the kind of thing that they were teaching and they were creating all these myths and teachings. And Peter says, hey, we didn't follow any kind of um, fanciful ideas like that. Mm. You've got to have your wits about you to spot the fake sometimes because there's all sorts of theories that try to associate the names of some of the apostles and other Christians mentioned in the New Testament with the Gnostic Gospels, and even the very name Gnostic Gospel suggests that maybe it is okay, it is part of the Bible. Yeah, and I think that's one of the ways that they try to get credibility, of course, was to attach the names, even though they were written sort of, you know, one or two hundred years actually after the Apostles, they they try to attach the names of the Apostles as being the authors, mm-hmm. some of the Apostles anyway. Um, but when you look at them, um, you you can just totally disregard them because of the content. Let me, let me give you an example. Uh, the, the, so, the so-called Gospel of Philip, Okay, here's a quote from it. The disciples asked Jesus, why do you love Mary more than us? Now, out of that statement, that one sentence, came that cleverly devised fable that Jesus actually married Mary Magdalene, that he had several children, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. You probably heard it. And, of course, that's what this program was talking about. Um, Here's another one, the Gospel of Thomas. And, again, Thomas was not the author. That was just um, someone assuming, if you like, his identity. In other words, a liar. Uh, This is what... We read in that so-called gospel. Peter said to Jesus, Let Mary leave us, for women are not worthy of life. Jesus said, I myself shall leave her, so that she may make herself male. For every woman who makes herself male shall enter the kingdom of God. Okay. Now, they're, they're, you've, only got to do, <laughs> you've only got to look at that on face value to reject it, but even if there was some truth in that or, or, or some, you know, like plausibility, if you like, you've got to compare it with what Jesus said in the other Gospels. Uh, you know, are women saved by becoming men? How do they become a man? But, you know, this television program that you saw and, and others put together by intelligent people, yeah. there are people who do put this forward as saying this is true. Uh, there were, Some would say, how do we know that these aren't a true record of the life and teachings of Jesus? It's a fair question to ask, isn't it? It is. Um, and my response to that, Phil, would be something that you said yesterday. Uh, you know, those who work with money, how do they spot a counterfeit? Well, they examine the genuine. They know it so well that when a counterfeit comes on the market, they spot it because they're so familiar with the genuine. Now, Peter refers to himself and, and those that wrote the scriptures as being eyewitnesses of his majesty. He says that in chapter 1 and verse six, 16. You know, we didn't follow these cunningly devised fables, we were eyewitnesses of Jesus himself. You know, they were with him for three years. Uh, they heard the audible voice of God open, saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, an eyewitness is, is the most credible witness. Uh, and the Bible was written by eyewitnesses or someone who was interviewed by an eyewitness. You know, Peter uh, was an eyewitness. And he says, you know, we've written these things so that you might have a reminder. We're going to move on. We're going to die. We're going to pass away. But we're leaving a legacy in the scriptures so that you have a reminder of the things that we taught uh, as being rock-solid scripture mm. and truth. Uh, so you look at all the writers of the Bible. There was uh, Matthew. He was an eyewitness. John, who wrote five of the books, he was an eyewitness. Uh, Peter, we've talked about. Paul. Now, Paul is an interesting character. He was an arch enemy 
of the church. You mm. know, he was an opponent, the number one enemy. He went on to write the bulk of the New Testament. He wrote the 13 books at least in, in, in the New Testament. And then there was James and John. Now, James, sorry, not James and John, James and Jude. And they were half-brothers of Jesus. But yep. the interesting thing about them is that they were originally unbelievers who became pastors and uh, ended up worshipping Jesus as as Lord. Now, I've got three brothers, and I can tell you not one of them has ever <laughs> worshipped me. And, and furthermore, and if I was... not likely to, I would expect. <laughs> I was say, if I was to say to them, which one of you can convince me of sin? Show me one sin in my life. <laughs> They'd be fighting for, let me be first, let yeah, me be first. Right. I've got a whole list of them here. But that's the, that's the claim that Jesus made. Which of you can show me a sin in my life? They grew up with him, mm-hmm. and, and, and yet they became apostles in the church. I've heard it said that there are countless contradictions between the Gnostic Gospels and the real true Gospels, but all the same, they've caused quite a stir and they've gained some credibility. It makes you wonder why people could write these things knowing that they're not true. That's a good question. You know, what was their motive? Why did they write these things? Now, myths are written by those who stood to gain something personally, um, either prestige or following or so on. Take Dan Brown, for example. Um, you know, the author of The Da Vinci Code. Mm-hmm. Why did he write that book? Well, uh, <laughs> he sold 80 million copies of it, uh, nearly half a million in Australia alone, translated into 42 languages, and he has received $355 million in earnings and is still counting. Forbes magazine said at one stage anyway that he was earning $86 million a year. Mm. Now, he has a lot to gain, but the apostles, the original eyewitnesses of Jesus, had nothing to gain. And everything uh, to lose. Everything to lose. In fact, many of them were martyrs, as you know. But thankfully, because they paid that price, they laid down their lives for the truth. I mean, you don't lay your life down for a lie. They laid their lives down for the truth. Today, Phil, we have the Word of God, the Bible. Some good insight on the subject of false teaching and we'll continue our conversation tomorrow. In the meantime, don't forget, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg and details about Ken's ministry, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.